1: This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello everyone, welcome. This is episode 147 of We Are Going Up. That's right, after what, three and a bit years, three and a half years, we finally brought up our maximum break. Uh, It is episode 147. I'm Mark Crossley. David Cameron Walker is here. Hello, DC? That's right. He's not here. It's just me on my Todd. But do not worry before you reach for that button and put on Football Weekly or the Football Ramble. He will be on later on on the phone for quite a large chunk of the show so we'll speak to DC a little bit later it is just me to start and um, why the hell not I'm going to take this opportunity to mention a few bits of business to start off with firstly thank you very much to everyone who listened to the Men United live show we did with Prostate Cancer UK a week or so back hope you enjoyed and a big thank you for sticking with the show this season I know that um, for a lot of people with podcasts I'm the same it's all part of your weekly routine so um, for the first few years of this you'll probably listen to us at the same time every week and uh, this season the shows have been a bit more sporadic. There's only two of us, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Limited access to studios this year, uh, plus loads of bits and bobs going on. I've been up north for the last week or so, uh, but we're going to try and make this a little bit more regular as we get to the uh, the crunch part of the season, the run-in. So hopefully uh, we'll be on a bit more regularly. Uh, this is a little bit of a geeky bit. Um, hello uh, the technically savvy amongst you will notice we have switched providers recently we've changed podcast providers the sound quality on, on iTunes hasn't been quite as good fingers crossed touch wood uh, it should all be back to normal uh, as you're hearing this as of now we should be back at full quality any issues let me know on the Twitter at Waggy Podcast and if you use an RSS feed again hello uh, to listen to the show a uh, new one um, for us is now down at the bottom of the website homepage We are Uk. if you need our new RSS feed uh, remember on the uh, website as well some great offers for you to get involved in if you click on the old Paddy Power link on the big thing at the top that slides across uh, you can sign up for a brand new account there with Paddy Power you'll get a free 20 quid bet if you bet Fiver. and also we would really 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 like you to give this football pools thing a go if you haven't signed up please can you do me a favour and do it now there are huge cash prizes to be won hundreds of thousands of pounds you just need to identify 8 out of 10 results for this weekend's game so just put home win away win or draw get 8 out of 10 right and you win a load of money a uh, free month to find out more and sign up just go to We Are go. GoingUp.co.uk. Uh, so we are GoingUp.co.uk. Go down the bottom and click on football pools. Uh, anything you do helps keep the show going and funders, etc., etc. Uh, so two managers are going to dominate this week's show. Uh, later, we're going to hear from the Brentford manager. Uh, Well, the Brentford manager for now, at least, uh, Mr. Mark Warburton, after their 2-1 defeat at home to Watford in the Championship on Tuesday night. Uh, DC was in the press box at Griffin Park. Uh, i we'll hear from him and also hear uh, Mark Warburton chatting to the press after the game. Uh, We're also going to uh, be discussing uh, two more men who've recently lost their jobs, Stuart Pearson, Nottingham Forest, Gary Johnson at Yeovil. There have been three rounds of fixtures since we last did a podcast. Plenty to talk about. Uh, Very tight in all three divisions uh, in the Championship promotion race, in the playoff battle in League One and pretty much the entire top seven in League Two. And it is in League Two that we're going to start. The other manager I talked about a second ago there is just in Edinburgh because it was announced on Saturday lunchtime that he had left Newport County after over three years in charge to take up the vacant managerial position at League One side Gillingham. Uh, Edinburgh took over the Exiles while they were um, down in the conference relegation zone big time struggling there. we're back in uh, October 2011 just over 18 months later he managed to lead them back into the football league after a long uh, 25 year absence and they finished 14th last season Uh, later we'll be joined by Michael Perlman who is a sports reporter on the South Wales Argus he can tell us more about Edinburgh's departure from Rodney Parade Uh, but first we're going to get a perspective from the club that he's joining Gillingham won 2-1 at Peterborough on Tuesday in Edinburgh's first full game in charge and they are now up to 15th place in League 1 10 points clear of the drop zone uh, the only way is up and on the line right now to talk to us about Gillingham is Mr Matt Cole who is a sports reporter and presenter covering the Jills at BBC Radio Kent Uh, Matt thank you very much for coming on the show it's been a pretty good few weeks hasn't it for Gillingham four wins in the last five league games and I suppose great for continuity that they were able to pick up where they left off under the new manager at Peterborough
2: well absolutely right and the continuity extends to the backroom staff of course the uh, the Gilles fans started calling the gang of four four of the, the backroom staff who taken them through uh, the previous five games unbeaten I suppose Justin Ember was on a bit of a hiding to nothing uh, when he took over for the game on the Tuesday night against uh, Peterborough uh, but uh, got a win there very pleased obviously and uh, as you say the continuity has gone on six games unbeaten and uh, Gillingham fans who maybe were looking anxiously over their shoulders at League 2 earlier in the season might be thinking well just possibly for the playoffs this season well that's the
1: thing about League 1 it's so tight I think that the Gillingham are only what is it four or- four points or six points yeah, or something like that off the playoffs off, yeah. um, this gang of four that you talk about uh, let's just make this clear it's Andy Hessenthaler Steve uh, Lovell or Steve Lavelle uh, Darren Hare and Mark Patterson um, so. did they come close to sort of getting the job as a management team do you know?
2: Well the chairman did say that he, he thought for a, a time that there was no reason why he shouldn't uh, keep them on but he also said that he came to the conclusion that eventually he was going to have to appoint a manager having talked to the, the four over the Uh, the previous weeks to Justin Edinburgh's appointment. uh, They did stress that they did have other jobs to do, and particularly uh, Mark Patterson, Darren Hare, and and Steve Lovell all had uh, uh, age group, uh, academy, and development teams to look after as well. In fact, I think on the day that Justin Edinburgh was uh, appointed, Mark Patterson had taken an under-21s group, he'd uh, taken the under-18s, and then driven off to watch Jill's next opponent's Uh, scouting as well, so they had plenty to do, uh, but I think their stock has risen, and uh, I mean, it's not always, obviously, as you know, managers will move quite often with their number two, even with a whole backroom staff, lock, stock and barrel, but uh, the, uh, the gang of four are all there, they've all been appointed behind Justin Edinburgh, but he is obviously the titular head now uh, of Virlingham uh, Football Club in terms of on-field matters. So yeah, he's the manager, but the gang of four still uh, in the background, <laughs> and that continuity, as you said, uh, just keeps going for the Jills, I suppose.
1: You uh, you mentioned Paul Scally, the chairman. Mm. Uh, Eleven different managers uh, since 1995, and I gather that this time he actually uh, went into the dressing room and consulted the players.
2: Yes, yeah, we found about th- about this for the first time when uh, when never was unveiled. And yeah, it did raise a number of eyebrows and, and, and asked him, you know, that, that, that's a move you've not done before, have you? I don't think anyone's heard of the players being canvassed for their opinions. Uh, and he said very plainly that he uh, realised that, but also... He thought that, you know, there's a distance between chairman and players. He wanted to know what this group, if they had done reasonably well over the past month or so, uh, what they thought, what sort of man they'd like in charge. And I think fans can understand that on one level. On the other side, you might say well, you know, players by and large aren't going to want people that are going to shout at them or do things, or ask them to do things they don't want to or leave them out of uh, the first 11. So I'd, I'm not sure how far that will go but it helped him make the decision and obviously if it works out if Justin Edinburgh is a big success no one will, will care and they'll probably give the chairman great credit. Well it's a different
1: type of appointment this isn't it to the last couple because Peter Taylor uh, was the, the last manager although he actually left quite a while ago now mm. and Martin Allen of course was the manager who got Gillingham back into League 1 uh, winning the title in League 2 a couple of years ago they were both very experienced managers they've been around the game a long time Uh, Justin Edinburgh was obviously a very successful player and he's done a very good job at Newport but he is a slightly younger manager so this one could be more of a long term appointment
2: well I think that's the intention and I think the feeling that the chairman got from supporters certainly that the the reservation or the the reason a lot of them didn't like Peter Taylor even though he'd now he'd taken them to the highest position the club had ever been in his previous spell up to the championship, uh, was that the style of football wasn't to their liking, and although he may have kept them in League one, uh, that even then it was a, a fairly dour experience going to Priestfield and, uh, and watching them and you know, I think that he suffered from that certainly from that reputation, Peter, even, even if that wasn't entirely the case over his, his whole reign so Paul Scay then said well he's looking for someone more flamboyant, someone will play an attacking style of football, certainly just in Edinburgh from what we understand from our colleagues uh, down in Wales, that he certainly fits the bill. I suppose he's a sort of halfway house, if you like, between the Managers that Jills have had in the, in the last uh, few seasons, and someone like Mark Stimson, who uh, took them up from uh, League Two to League One uh, in uh, the mid 2000s, uh, who was then completely untested. Really, he was in charge of Stevenage at that point and was an up-and-coming manager. Uh, so, yeah, a kind of halfway house, if you like. Because Justin Edinburgh has he has got a reasonable record. He's he's improved every season more or less than what he's done with Russian and Diamonds and Greys and obviously most lastly Newport. So he he is on the up, if you like. But yeah, it's a different profile of manager, very different from Peter Taylor. Uh,
1: What kind of squad is he inheriting here? Because obviously they were struggling under Peter Taylor, um, hence him losing his job. As we mentioned, they've been on a great run uh, recently. So something has obviously clicked in the last six weeks. And when you look down the names on the squad, uh, the likes of Cody McDonald, uh, McGlashan in there as well, um, there are some good players in that squad.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and mostly, uh, well not mostly, but, but certainly Peter Taylor brought in a number of younger players over the summer it was his intention to, to lower the age if you like and have more promise that also works for teams like Gillingham obviously in, in terms of sell on I mean if a player uh, they can get someone who another perhaps a high, uh, team higher up has, has got rid of you know we all know the way it works and if if they then kick on then they could be a a, a real asset and a, a financial asset to the club later on. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Cody McDonald's one of, the most, one of the more experienced members of the squad now. He seems to have kicked on in the last few weeks. He's certainly scoring goals once again. The fans absolutely love him, though he's out of contract at the end of the season. He's been at pains to point out to us in the, at the interim between managers. Uh, but otherwise, a, a few of those players that Peter Taylor has brought in have been a real success, particularly... Uh, John Egan, the centre-half, who's a real class act for League One, if they keep him beyond the summer, uh, they'll have done extremely well, I think. I, I can't imagine that other teams aren't sniffing around him or looking at him from uh, from the Championship, certainly, downwards. So, he's been a real success. Others, well, a mixture, I suppose. The, the one that's made the most immediate impact, and his arrivals it, it sort of coincided with this uh, Jill's unbeaten run, is John Marquis from uh, Millwall, who's been out on loan a few times and never never really shown that he's going to score any goals or well, four uh, in the last five for Jills, four in the, the six appearances since he arrived and all those I've seen Jules unbeaten so uh, the fans obviously have taken to him big time and hoping he'll stay uh, after the end of the season
1: Uh, One thing that um, and myself included here that uh, lower league fans when they get a new manager like to hear is the new manager talking very positively uh, about the club and talking about its potential Um, and he's been at pains to to sort of mention the fact that um, you know Kent is pretty much a one club county I suppose Mm. uh, with Gillingham and that the you know Priestfield can fill I don't, don't quite know what the capacity is but I think it's like nine ten thousand,
2: it's up around 11. But there yeah. you go, yeah. so
1: this you know reasonably big ground for that level. Um, and League One's quite a tight division. He's making all the right noises about maybe getting Gillingham, you know, back to the second tier, which of course they they famously uh, well. They, yeah, they were there, weren't they, in the Championship. Yeah, they obviously yeah. had the, the near miss against Manchester City, but they did get into the second tier.
2: Yeah, after beating Wigan in the, in the play-off final, yeah. So, and they spent a number of seasons in the, in the second tier as well, under Peter Taylor and then uh, Andy Hessen as, as uh, player manager first off. So uh, it is possible. I mean, a lot of fans obviously will remember that, and some of them were grown up with, with uh, not expecting Jolene to be in the Championship, but realising that, that that is possible, thinking it's possible. I mean, it was an incredible feat at the time, under Tony Pulis and, and then uh, Peter Taylor, to get to... The, the championship with the sort of crowds that, that Gillingham get but certainly you'll hear no, no noise in the camp about looking backwards at relegation now they are moving into mid-table and the feeling is certainly uh, you know, the most positive noise coming out of the camp is that there's going to be a team in League One that's going to make a run towards the end of the season no one seems to want the playoff places the top two seem to be more or less assured seem to be pulling away but the other teams are are falling over themselves to to get out of it almost. So it's not impossible. I think, you know, looking realistically, we realise the 15th, uh, after that win at Peterborough, there's a lot of teams between them <laughs> and the top six, but um, they're on a run at the moment. They're looking confident, so you can't really gainsay that. I think most Gillingham fans realistically will be overjoyed with a top-half finish, uh, but Justin Edinburgh, as you say, is very much talking about looking up or than looking over his shoulder. And as I said, his record is that he's improved just about every season that he's been in management, so you can understand his, uh, his ambition, also his confidence in that. And
1: a tricky game at the weekend uh, MK Dons and Swindon and Bristol City to come I think Bristol City again I think Gillingham played Bristol City a lot (laughs) this season Um, we barely need to
2: do any research on them now as (laughs) commentators and reporters so that's
1: (laughs) Andy missing out in the the JPT semi-final Um, so those games are all coming up Uh, one more question that I just wanted to uh, ask you about Um, it's a player who uh, we mentioned a few times on this show obviously a lot of people make the Hessenthaler connection when they talk about Gillingham Mm. Uh, Jake Hesenthaler the son of Andy Yes. Um, is in the team. How's he getting on?
2: Uh, he's doing well. I think perhaps he's not having this as good a season this season as he had last season. I think people expect him to kick on a little bit from there. Um, he's got a lot of his his father's traits. He's uh, strong in the tackle, uh, very hard working. I think he's still got a little bit to prove. Maybe not to supporters, but perhaps to himself. As I said, he had a, a very good season. Uh, last season he really did move on and perhaps uh, more was expected of him this campaign but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised, he's got the class he was in Chelsea's uh, academy early on uh, so he's a, a good skillful ball player, I don't think uh, Andy, uh, certainly Andy has terrible, forgive me for saying that he's probably a, a more cultured player than his old man but he picks up a, a few less bookings and probably gets wins a few a few fewer tackles as well So, uh, but yeah, he's getting on okay, I think jury's still out on him he's in his early 20s but Uh, if he does kick on in the the rest of this season and next season it could be quite a prospect
1: and Matt thanks so much for coming on great to talk to you great to talk to you too I appreciate it that is uh, Matt Cole from BBC Radio Kent Sport and make sure you listen to BBC Radio Kent for full Gillingham coverage if you're in the area that's 96.7 and 104.2 FM plus on DAB next we're going to get a view on Justin Edinburgh from Newport this is the We Are Going Up podcast we've got the football league covered So we're going to speak to DC on the phone soon but first more on this news then that Justin Edinburgh is the new Gillingham manager he was the ninth longest serving manager in English football can you believe uh, when he left Rodney Parade for the final time last week it means that his former club Newport County are on the lookout for a new boss uh, they drew 1-1 at home to Tranmere on Tuesday uh, following a defeat at AFC Wimbledon on Saturday uh, the Exiles though still sit in the playoff places in League 2 and 6 uh, but no wins from their last five now uh, Michael Perlman is a Sports reporter on the South Wales Argus, and he's spoken and interviewed Justin Edinburgh since his departure. And I'm very pleased to say that Michael joins me on the line right now. My, uh, Michael, thank you very much for coming on the show. And um, despite the disappointing nature of his departure, I suppose overall you just have to say what a magnificent job that Justin Edinburgh did for Newport County.
3: Oh, absolutely. You know, he's in the argument for the greatest manager they ever had. He was, you know, he not only did he get them promoted, uh, but he did it in, in pretty glorious fashion, obviously, because Newport beat their Welsh rivals, Wrexham, at Wembley. Uh, there, uh, I know a lot of Newport County fans never thought they'd see county play at Wembley, and not only did they play there once, they played there twice, because Justin also took them to the FA Trophy final. Uh, when he took over, they were threatened with relegation uh, back into the Conference South and uh, he's left them in a playoff position in League 2 so yeah he's done a a magnificent job
1: let's not forget that he did win the FA Cup um, as a player but he says that getting Newport County this is from his interview with you uh, getting Newport County promoted at Wembley back into the Football League uh, is my greatest moment in football Uh, the fans and him obviously had quite a special relationship when he was at Newport has that been soured at all do you think by this decision
3: yeah, and I I, I, I certainly, uh, first of all, I take issue with his statement because I'm a Spurs fan <laughs> and that winning the FA Cup in 1991 is my greatest moment in football, so uh, I'll take it at least. But uh, I would say... For so the vast majority know I think Newport, Newport people they fought so hard to get their club back uh, after they went out of business in 1989 they're a kind of, they're a pretty savvy, uh, very passionate bunch uh, down here when it comes to their football and I think most of them acknowledge that there is you know there is a good, legitimate football argument for leaving to go to Gillingham. Not only is it closer to his home, but you know they're five, they're four points I think off the playoffs now in League One. You know there are one county team, they've got a great catchment area, they've got a bigger fan base than Newport. So I think the majority accept that uh, he went for the right reasons, but of course. You're always going to get a, a hardcore that, you know, love their club and, <laughs> and can't understand why anyone would, would, would want to leave it.
1: Um, just on that point about the travel, I mean, I often think this about managers and players because they move clubs so often. So I get, let me get this right. Justin Edinburgh was commuting from Essex every day to Newport.
3: No, he, he I mean he it wasn't as simple as that. He was stay I mean he stayed up here for probably three or four right, okay. days of the week, but he was what was interesting was he was living in a hotel as was his assistant Jimmy Dak who's now acting manager. Uh whereas he kind of drove over a period of three and a bit years, players who signed here moving here to live. Uh so it was kind of a not a double standard because I think there was understanding that Justin's got a family, he's got a business interests in Essex, family business interests as well. Uh, and as you say, a manager can move often. I guess they like to kind of have a base. You know, you, you've got Harry Redknapp in Sam Banks commuting to London for the last I don't know how many years. Um, it kind of goes with the territory, I think. But it just so happens that media-wise, it kind of came up in a TV interview only a couple of weeks before this speculation started to so kind of put it into the narrative maybe more than it would have if, if that hadn't been mentioned on the telly.
1: Um, with the greatest respect to Gillingham are you maybe slightly surprised he hasn't gone to a bigger club? Um, because he has, been not, talked, he has been talked about hasn't he? Is kind of one of the yeah, hottest managerial not, properties not necessarily.
3: in the um, Six months ago Newport were on a horrible losing run at the back end of the last season uh, and his stock was falling a little bit and then they started this season with three defeats in the league, they were bottom after three games and believably when we think of it now there were some fans saying oh he's taken us as far as he can go, uh, he should be set. so I think he's he's been in the game since he was 16, years old. he's 45 now, he's done it in management, he hasn't sort of had you know, he was a Premier League player for a lot of years, but he wasn't Roy Keane, he wasn't one of those players that name alone was gonna guarantee he got a, a leg up into management. He started in the Ryman, uh, he's been at Fisher Athletic, he's been at Rushton, who went out of business while he was there because of nothing to do with him, but he's really seen the kind of the ugly side of it and I think to go to a League One club where you know, obviously a lot is said about Gillingham's chairman, but the fact, one fact about him is he does generally tend to back his managers. Uh, he puts his money where his mouth is. And who's to say in three months or six months or a year what Justin's position will be? You know, will he be the trendy manager then? Who knows? And you can wait for. I know there were other clubs interested in Justin. I know they were clubs with managers who were kind of intimated to him that maybe down the line, but. For how, long can you, for how long can you wait I guess and he's you know he wants to progress he wants to move up so he now has the opportunity to do so
1: ok well let's uh, leave Justin Edinburgh uh, to the side for a second and focus on the future uh, Jimmy Dack says losing Edinburgh is like splitting up with a girlfriend it takes a few weeks to get over and then you're back on the pull um, so who <laughs> are Newport going to be pulling for their next manager then I'm looking at some of the, uh, the odds from Skybet at the minute uh, the names uh, in the frame according to them uh, Jimmy Dack himself then you've got Mark Yates who's obviously uh, left Cheltenham this season Gary Johnson just been sacked by Yeovil James Beat he's trying to get back in after leaving Accrington Dennis Wise at 16-1 to 1, I notice um, Paul Jewell John Aldridge various people in there what are you hearing what can you tell us
3: Uh, Well, I'll tell you for a fact that John Aldridge won't be the next Newport County manager. (laughs) i tell you that for absolute (laughs) certainty because he he did play for Newport. He's got a connection to Newport. He really likes Newport. I think you could even say he's been a big part of their history, but he's got media commitments in Liverpool. He's based in Liverpool. I have phoned him to ask him if he wants the Newport job probably every time it's come up for the last (laughs) 10 years. He won't want the job. Uh, But Newport... It's interesting. Obviously, Jimmy Dack's a favourite, but I think that's more a reflection on you are a caretaker for X amount of games, and then the bookies go, Well, he's the permanent manager, mm-hmm. in, and sort of clean up that way. So, Newport have yet to come out and say uh, what they will do in regard to whether Jimmy will go till the end of the season or whether they'll look to get a new manager in now. I think it will be results-dependent, but I think, well, I know that there are some very, very good names, some of which uh, are on that list, who have kind of indicated to Newport that they're interested. I think Dean Holdsworth certainly will be in the conversation as well, who was manager before, uh, and then went to Aldershot, and a few that aren't on the list that uh, have also made clear to Newport they'd be interested. So I think Newport possibly will think they need to strike when the iron is hot. They potentially don't have so much interest in in taking over again. So it might be, you know, someone like Gary Johnson, a high-caliber candidate, if he's interested I think uh, Newport might move sooner rather than later
1: well if you look at the fixtures as well it's quite a critical time coming up because they've got Burton and Wickham uh, in the next three games as well and I'm just looking at the table I mean um, I am a Berry fan and we are just below in this big pack of teams going for the playoffs and I didn't look at the table for a few weeks and then I just glanced at it and suddenly Newport were right there in the middle of the playoffs uh, what has been the secret behind this, um, this run they've been on up until the, the last few weeks obviously and, and how well they've done so far
3: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I can take Barry as a kind of benchmark. Obviously, Barry are the kind of side that I think at the start of the season, Newport had no designs on. At this stage in the season, they'd be above Barry, uh, I think, budget-wise, etc. You know, Newport. I think Justin Edelman was clear that he said we want progress this season. They finished 14th last year, so they were probably aiming for top half this year, but. They just for a good well, three and a half, four months they, they found the winning formula with formation, with personnel, with team spirit, with everything going going for them and it really, really carried them. They had a superb run which pretty much halted when all the dealing and speculation started and now their task is to is to pick it up again. But in terms of the consistency they showed for four months with very few changes to the starting eleven, and very few problems in the camp. If they can recapture that, obviously not many sides could not win in four games and only score one goal in four games, and still have the luxury of being in the playoffs. And Newport have that, so they need to try and take advantage.
1: Have they? Um, have they sorted out that pitch this season?
3: Yeah, completely. Uh, so that, I think that has been a factor as well because uh, at times last season, they were going long ball when they just didn't have the personnel. It just didn't suit them. But they, they had to go long ball because the pitch, which they share with two rugby sides, uh, Newport Gwent Dragons and Newport RFC, was pretty horrendous. Uh, but they had extensive work done on it over the summer, a completion of work that started the previous summer and yeah, it's received nothing but praise from uh, from pretty much every team that's that's been down, but obviously that does have the caveat that they all suffered through uh, how bad it was last year.
1: indeed, they ended up about five or six games behind at one point from uh, from memory. Uh, final question then is about the squad. Um, whoever does take charge of Newport County in the next few weeks, what kind of squad have they have they got um left by Justin Edinburgh? Is there enough quality in there for Newport to mount a playoff slash promotion push?
3: Well, I think you say, you would have to say there is because just because for until you know until two weeks ago, Newport were pretty much the most consistent team in the league. But for two weeks at the start of the season, you know they they lost three times. Then they only lost three more in the next. I think it was 14 or 15 weeks. Uh, they've got a solid defence built around. Darren Jones, who was re-signed by the club after 10 years in the Football League, the kind of hometown hero coming back. They've signed Joe Day for a club record fee from Peterborough in gold, Justin's uh, final signing, who's just already a massive hero uh, to county fans. He's been so impressive this season. Uh, and they got real quality in midfield as well. Uh, Adam Chapman. Uh, finally has kind of been living up to the potential he's shown for three or four years and and Mark Byrne who they signed from Barnet, has been probably their player of the season so far he scored a cracking equaliser against Tranmere as well.
1: Michael thank you very much for coming on good to talk to you. Pleasure. All the best that's Michael Perlman sports reporter on the South Wales Argus covering Newport County we'll keep an eye on that over the next few weeks to find out who their next manager will be. Right stay there in just a second I've got another phone call to make.
3: to do something great together join Men United and help beat prostate cancer search Men United now
1: Okay, I'm going to make a phone call here we go it's ringing hello 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 Hello, David Cameron Walker you're a bit late for the show mate we're half an hour in here Um, you're not here in the studio do you want to explain why
4: um, Priorities. Well, I've been hard at work, mate. I've been football training. <laughs> yeah, um, some, sat- some of us are athletes.
1: <laughs> the irony wasn't lost on me when I was sat in McDonald's earlier on on my way into the show. <laughs> and I thought, right then at this point, you're uh, so. Remind you of your team again? Ribblesdale Rovers. That's it, Ribblesdale Rovers. Uh, the good, mighty. Good session.
4: Yeah, very good. We've got a double header on Sunday, so got to be in tip-top shape.
1: That's your real Super Sunday. we are going uh, for
4: the title as well, oh, right yeah? up there.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, I think the last time I saw you uh, was for the Man United show, and I believe you've run some kind of marathon since then. No,
4: I wish I could say it was a marathon. It well, ten k, ten k.
1: Okay, so you which, have, which is far enough. You're on a proper fitness workout. Yeah, I am. Yeah, good time as And well. also, since the last show, uh, you've been to watch Brentford versus Watford at Griffin yes. Park in the Championship on Tuesday night. Two-one victory for Watford. Uh, tell me all about it. Obviously, one story dominates.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, it a, first of all it was a great game of football really enjoyable like just trying to trying to be objective about it for, for a second it was it was you know really open especially after Brentford had their man sent off you know they had to defend for a lot of the second half because Watford had a lot of the possession but whenever they had the opportunity they were positive and tried to get forward Andre Gray was really good up front it's scored a great goal and held the ball up really well Uh, But it was a great game of football. But I suppose, as you you mentioned, the biggest story was indeed what happened in the day leading up to the game. And the speculation surrounding Mark Warburton's future and the statement released from the club was met with a resounding round of support for Warburton from the Brentford fans. For most of the game leading up to kick-off and during the game, there was chanting Warburton's name and... (laughs) I even saw a few fans just in front of the press box, some some few old boys who who, who were sitting in front of the press box, probably had their seats there for about 50-odd years. Um, One of them passed a note up to the Brentford radio team saying, if Warburton goes, we go.
1: OK, now this, uh, just if so people aren't aware, this is an article in The Times uh, basically saying that Matthew Benham, the Brentford chairman, is going to, um, at the end of the season, get rid of Mark Warburton, whatever happens, even if they get promoted to the Premier League. That's how I understood it. Is that right?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, And that was the article that came out and then the club quite swiftly issued a statement commenting on the reports and it said that Mark Warburton remains the Brentford manager but football is a village there was a couple a lot of like awful David Brent like quotes. Yeah, since when's football been a village by the way I know I know and they say you know, rumors can start and quickly grow and but basically they said "Look, it's our duty as a club to always have contingency plans we've been talking to people we've been looking around Mark Warburton remains our manager as, as at this time remains he's a manager now it did not say which was the story was saying that you know Warburton's going at the end of the season what, whatever happens as you said, he's not going now that's not what the story was they weren't being asked to, to clarify whether Mark Warburton was going to be the manager in the next day or two they were being asked mm. to clarify whether he was going to be the manager at the start of next season and they failed to deny that. They failed to comment on that, which leaves the speculation still there. Mark Warburton's done many interviews. He was on all the press in the, in the day yesterday, and 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 after the game, still getting, still being asked the same questions, and he just. He sounded it quite well but at least dead hold
1: that thought there because we're going to play in a bit you can grab a couple of minutes of the Great British Bake Off mate uh, while we play yeah. this uh, you were there at Griffin Park on Tuesday night uh, after the game um, Brentford won Watford 2 and the reporters as DC mentioned asked Mark Warburton if he would still be in charge of Brentford at the end of the season this is what he had to say
0: yeah, as I say the only focus of the club have answered that I'm the manager of Brentford Football Club and the job to do here is to make sure this squad of players get looked after in the it's a pleasure to work with this group of players and uh, and hopefully, as I say, we can take it for 16 games to go and we're in good shape. What message have you got for the fans? Because every fan that I've spoken to tonight doesn't want you to go, they want you to stay. One uh, fan
2: who's been here for 60 years said to me that if, if you left, he'd throw away his season ticket.
0: Well, That's, that's very, very kind and uh, message to fans is, is uh, the support is greatly appreciated. From day one, when I was a risky appointment, from day one, they've been nothing but supportive. and right the way through and the phone calls today and the message you get every week are fantastic. So as I say, it's, it's not the biggest disappointment about for me is that it's you know this stuff and the folks on, on staff, it should be on the players. they deserve that tonight. It was a big game, they deserve to have the focus, they've earned that. and as I say, as far as I'm concerned, it's looking at them. so for the supporters, thank you, sincere thanks, and let's get get behind the team and hopefully a, a good seven weeks to come. It's almost as if you're saying goodbye there. No far from it. You know, my job is, is manager of Brentford Football Club. My only focus is manager of Brentford Football Club. Nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. So, as I say, the club made a statement which they had to do quite rightly um, and hopefully they answered a few questions. But for me, um, there's, there's nothing else other than this squad of players. Well, one bookmaker, I understand, has you at seven to one second favourite for the QBR job. Well, that's very nice. How do you book? react to that? Well, bookmakers get many, many things wrong. That's all I can say. And as it would be totally disrespectful to this squad of players, to this club, and to the fans, and disrespectful to QPR as well. You know, they've they've got games tonight. I believe they won tonight. From what I understand, and uh, they've got people that I know in situ at the moment, really good people. So that would be totally disrespectful. My only focus, as I say, is Brentford Football Club.
3: Uh, the uh, fans made it very clear what they think of you, and and that they want you to say. How have the players reacted today? We saw them put in a really good performance on the pitch but not get the result that maybe they deserve
0: no it's just about the players I mean they worked so hard tonight as you saw I'm not sure when the actual second goal came what minute it was but it was right near the death there and uh, so disappointing because of players out there today I don't want to mention any individuals really Um, because it detracts from all ten but you look at David Button the saves you look at Stuart Dallas doing a remarkable shift you look at Jonathan Douglas in midfield you know he led by example covered every blade of grass cajoling encouraging the teammates and Andre Gray stages in the second half there he was you know one against four on the back line and still posing real problems and scored an outstanding goal so um, as I say it's about the players and uh, some really strong performances tonight.
3: Finally you've made it very clear you're going to be here till the end of the season the statement has made that clear as well can you make any
0: assurances to the fans at all that you'll be here at the beginning of next season as I say I I hope you can understand that the club have made the statement I hope that answers many many questions but for me there's no other focus other than Brentford Football Club so that's all I can say it's it's the right thing to do for these players who deserve nothing less than total focus
1: so that was Mark Warburton uh, chatting to the press after that uh, defeat to Watford on Tuesday night and like you say you kept batting those questions back didn't he?
4: yeah he did and and, I you know, he's, as we know, we've had him on the show. He's quite—he's quite a straight-talking sort of guy. Uh, he's not afraid to answer questions, but I mean, I suppose there's only so much he can say, really. And he's right to focus on the players because he has got a job to do, and and they're in a great position. You know, they have a chance to go up to the Premier League, which is which is you know just unthinkable, really. Would you think the size of the club Brentford are and how swiftly they've moved up? You know, under you know, in the latter stages of their rise under his leadership. But another train of thought, which a few people have put out there, which was which just a, another interesting way of looking at the scenario. And maybe maybe this is what Brentford were alluding to with the statement, is that maybe it wasn't Brentford deciding, right, we are going we need someone new to take us to the next level if and when we go up. Maybe Brentford had heard that Warburton was being eyed up by bigger clubs, by Premier League clubs. But, you know, maybe somebody wanted Warburton because he's, you know he's a he's a very enterprising guy, highly rated up and coming coach. Who a lot of people will, will have looked at and thought this guy's got something about him, something a bit different. He's taking a bit of a different route to it. He's having great success. Maybe we could, maybe we could get him for you know to replace our manager rather than one of the same old, uh, same old suspects next time round. So maybe that's why. Maybe they've heard that he could be going. So it's interesting because it's hard to read either way really from from Warburton's comments because he's, he's sort of batted them so straight down the line, but. I think there's more to come in the in the story. Certainly, the owner Matthew Benham tweeted, I believe, today on Wednesday, that he will be shedding light on the situation and explaining the situation to the club supporters, you know, further than the statement that they've released within the next couple of days. Um, so that'd be interesting. And another thing as well, I um I spoke to Richard Lee today, a oh, yeah. friend of the show, um, yeah. and he was on the radio earlier and he was asked about the situation as well spoke very very highly of Mark Walton and actually said I think one day he'll manage England he's that impressive but he had, what was interesting to me he said the players have all been talking about the situation on their WhatsApp group <laughs> <laughs> Brentford have a WhatsApp group. All the players where they uh, where they discuss such matters. And apparently they've all been all been gossiping about it for the last twenty four hours.
1: They don't send um, pictures to each other with little captions on them saying we're going to lose today, do they?
4: No, I wouldn't have thought so. Well, who knows? Quite WhatsApp's the opposite. The place to do that? Not Snapchat.
1: Was it the entire first team squad? I mean, that's I, well, gotta... I don't know. I don't, I don't know the exact makeup of It's a lot of vibrations there. I imagine that.
4: most of them are in there. Yeah,
1: uh, that's that's more than you need. Anyway, Brentford stay in the playoffs in sixth despite that defeat. Uh, Watford just above them. Uh, Uh, If you look at the top of the table, Middlesbrough, uh, three straight wins since the last show. Uh, They won 2-1 at Blackpool on Tuesday. They have 59 points. They are top. Uh, AFC Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon, AFC Bournemouth are in second on 58 points. level with Derby, uh, we're just ahead of them on goal difference. They drew two all on Tuesday night. Bournemouth's tally of 64 league goals, now the highest of any team in the top four divisions. Darren Bent has scored his fourth in five games. And Tom Ince, on loan from Hull, has got three in his first two games. So Steve McLaren DC, using the loan market well.
4: Yeah, very impressive. It's a business. They also got uh, Jesse Lingard as well, didn't they, from, from Manchester United. And I think if you look at that, plus the, the, the signing of Darren Bent that they made a bit earlier, they are three key signings. They're, they're players that have all, well, not, not something I Darren Bent's impressed in the Premier League, but Ince and Lingard have, have done well in the Championship over the last few years. They're players that can really add an edge. They've already, you know, Ince already made an impact, in scoring goals. He's gone off the boil, really, hasn't he, the last year or so at Harlem Crystal Palace. Seems a long time ago now that he's been linked to uh, to Inter Milan, but he is a player that I think can flourish in the championship. And I mean, McLaren's shown with Darren Bent who he's managed to get a tune out of. I think maybe he's, he could do the same with Ince and they're real key additions. But, you know, every time you think Bournemouth. Might this might be you know maybe this is again they'll lose or maybe you know they're going to have a bad patch they just don't they just don't have a bad patch <laughs> what can you say about them they are, they are very very impressive and they, as you said they you know scoring goals for fun uh, that was you know a really important point for them against Derby
1: just below Derby Ipswich on 54 then you got Watford and Brentford and uh, just outside the playoffs Norwich You won at Charlton and Wolves
4: Norwich are coming as well aren't who they won at getting a bit of momentum yeah
1: yeah so um, dare to pick uh, two automatics from that bunch for us at the minute
4: <sighs> I mean it's, uh, it, it's still throw a dart yeah, I, I was chatting to an Ipswich fan earlier on they got a real big win for them yesterday because they've had a couple of bad results haven't they recently and I think McCarthy made a lot of changes yesterday and Good win to come from behind against Shepherd Wednesday, but I was chatting to an Ipswich fan and uh, we were trying, we were talking about the promotion race, and I just looked at Watford's fixtures and said we should win all of our games in, in you know the next sort of five games, we should win them all. And then we both went, well, be, we, we should, but you know we can't <laughs> really say that because you know, we could easily lose to it to a team that, you know, we play sort of lower down, lower down the, the table. Um, you know, those top three look like they're going to be the ones that are going to go for the automatic at the moment. But I still don't, I still wouldn't count out Watford to be honest with you or Ipswich and I know they've had the, those bad results and back slightly but I still wouldn't count them out because it's only one or two wins you know? and, then, mm-hmm. and we'll still play each other as well teams up there still got to play each other so only one or two wins away from all of a sudden the gaps being three points and then that can change on any given weekend uh, I just think like, like, we, like we just said Derby the additions they've made to what was already a strong squad put them in a good position Bournemouth have just got this brilliant momentum about them and Middlesbrough are the, are the one that are quietly sort of ticking along perhaps not as not many people seem to look at them Bournemouth are the kind of eye-catching story because they're the small club seemingly kind of come out of nowhere Derby have got Steve McCarron some big players and Middlesbrough they don't really have any stars do they I mean they've got Bamford from Chelsea but they have got the as we've talked about before the impressive manager there Artur Karanka and I mean they are, they are very impressive as well I mean they i, I if you're going to make me choose I'd, hes- I'd say it's Middlesbrough and one other p- potentially
1: we got it out of him eventually everyone uh, some <laughs> other stories from the championship uh, you might not be aware of this DC because you've uh, uh, been at football training tonight but Nottingham Forest have beaten Wigan by three goals to nil to make it two, oh, w- two oh, wins out, out of two me. I know Wigan I think they're eight points from safety at the minute having an absolute car crash of a season uh, but maybe we can focus on them in a future show uh, we've got to talk about Forest Freeman's won his first two games uh, Stuart Pearce has uh, vacated the hot seats since we uh, last did a podcast um, and um, yeah he's gone in there Friedman and a, a lot of Bolton fans would have sort of been saying you know why the hell have you chosen him another ex-player but he started well
4: yeah I mean it was a, f- a strange strange appointment that it was made so swiftly was it in the same day or it was certainly within like 24 hours wasn't it of mm. Pearce being willing to his duty so he obviously had that lined up I mean there's you know, a slight connection to the club in that he played for them briefly in the last stages of his career but not necessarily an obvious choice to replace somebody like Stuart Pearce but I mean I suppose I know it went wrong for him at Bolton and it, you know, he had that sort of just long slow decline in his last season and a bit at the club but the first season where he went to them after leaving Palace he did very well there I and mean, he did only miss out on the playoffs on the final day when you consider they were right down in the relegation zone or, there, or near, nearby when he took over so I don't think he's a terrible manager. And, he, you know, he did a good job at Palace. He has shown, you know, that he's, that he's got something. And maybe he just didn't go right from him at Bolton in the end. So I'm not saying that, you know, I don't think Bob Forrest fans should be too pessimistic about him necessarily. But the bigger picture at Forrest is, is worrying. Because if you look, there's a succession of managers now who have failed. And well, I was thinking about this.
1: Uh, you know, I don't, uh, don't know exactly sort of uh, how long we've been doing this podcast. Three years and about five, six months. How many managers have Nottingham Forest had in that time? It must be more than... Too many. It must be more than anyone. I mean, the amount of times we've covered managers coming in and leaving.
4: And some, some really short spells as well. You know, there's been, there's been a, a real lack of stability at Forest. And uh, Faraz Al-Azawi has, at times talks a good game. Uh, and at times, positioned himself as a as a guy that you know wants to do the right thing for the club. And I'm sure he does want to do the right thing for the club. But just when you thought that maybe they'd ride it out with Pierce, I know it wasn't going. Well, you know, the, the results weren't as good as they wanted them to be. I know they spent some money, but when just when you thought maybe just stick it out for a season under him and see if it turns, you know, he did indeed press that press the button and, and got rid of him. And you know, it's just back to square one again. And that that's a that's a real problem, I think. And you know, I, I just think there are some real structural problems at Nottingham Forest. You know, the, the whole Billy Davies regime there was. I don't think that was a very good. You know, the club. I think the, a lot of the rot perhaps set in there with not just the team, but the way that the club was being managed. The whole situation with the, you know, Billy Davies. His relative or his mate was 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 <laughs> basically the CEO there, was a mess, there was a whole it? media blackout. You know, and. There's just been a lot of problems behind the scenes at Forest that haven't been rectified for a long time. And I think it's hard to progress as a football club. You might get a lucky season. You might get a lucky run of form. But eventually, if your house isn't isn't in order off the pitch... You know you can't move forward consistently for, for a prolonged spell of time don't until think you, until you really get that sorted
1: Sounds like the uh, people in the background are finding your views on uh, Nottingham Forest situation quite amusing um, <laughs> Can you
4: hear them?
1: Yeah just a little bit um, Sheffield Wednesday have got a new owner uh, Miller Mandaric has sold up to a Thai consortium uh, good to see more local owners in the Football League um, Bolton's Andy Keller has signed for Manchester United on loan yes you did hear that right uh, but Transfer News Cardiff have signed Owen Doyle from Chesterfield who's been banging them in this season that seems like quite a good signing uh, down at the bottom two Away wins in the last three games for Millwall at Forest and Birmingham, so they're just. And
4: guess who's inspired them uh... recently? Good, some good performances. Diego Fabrini Oh
1: right, Harvard. of course. Yes, I don't
4: know if I did mention it when he when he left, but he's a player that he played for Italy as a as a young player against England in a friendly um, for the full side but he's just never really done it for us he's looked like one of those players in a couple of pre-season friendly he scored a few good goals and we thought hey we've got a player here but he just never did it in the league consistently looked too lightweight you know too much dribbling too much diving just not suited to the championship so I thought going to Millwall in a relegation battle is the last thing he needs but apparently he's been brilliant for them uh, and you know he's been a real breath of fresh air for them so um, surprising but just what they needed just what they needed Millwall
1: uh, in the relegation zone just on goal difference also Wigan and Blackpool of course into League One we go then uh, when we had Mark Langdon off from the racing post at the Man United night he said his League One bet would have been Swindon for the title no surprise they've lost two out of three since then and yeah. Bristol City have created a four point gap with a game in hand at the top yeah. um, those Swindon defeats were at Sheffield United and Oldham um, and Oldham. Oldham,
4: I mean, like, yes, yeah, I'm sure you're about to say the same thing. But oh, look at them; they're all in fifth all of a they're sudden. In, I looked at in the result fifth. last night and thought, oh, blimey, that's a bit of an upset. But then I thought, well, hang on, maybe not.
1: That is um, this season is their 18th consecutive season in the third tier, 18 uh, seasons in the same division. So just think, DC people, uh, there'll be people in pubs and clubs of the UK this weekend drinking aged 18 for their entire lives. Oldham have been in the same division.
4: Well, Surely they can't amazing. break Maybe that sequence this year. for a change. Maybe. Yeah. But I suppose, I suppose the focus with Oldham for for a good portion of this season was over the whole Chad Evans thing, and we didn't really look at what the team were doing. Uh, and it looks like uh, Lee Johnson is uh, doing a fine job.
1: Well, as we talked about with Gillingham earlier in the show, although you didn't hear that, um, it is very, very tight. I think there's a whole group of teams that are sort within about yeah. six points of the playoffs.
4: Yeah, um, that is a good point. We should, we should... I, was, I was talking to a Colt fan the other day. Colt. Oh, um, yeah, they were the most cheerful of a couple of times no. Well, they but, can't um, blame them at the minute. With good reason, yeah. But I mean, I think they have lost a few games since. But at the time, they were like fifth from bottom. Um,
1: They're still fifth and, from
4: bottom. Uh, yeah. And the points, though, to the playoffs, which is hardly, there's literally about five points in it. I mean, you know, the whole division is really concertinaed up. So I suppose. We shouldn't necessarily get carried away with Oldham's promotion charge. They oh, could just as easily be 12th. I think in we should. A couple should. of weeks' time. I
1: think we should. They deserve a bit. They, you know, you want to get their hopes up. They've had 18 bloody years in the same division. Right, let's get behind um, them. The Johnson's Paint Trophy final has been confirmed. It's going to be Bristol City, obviously top, against Walsall at Wembley on March the 22nd. So either way, it's going to be a great story. Either Bristol City are going to mark this brilliant season with a trophy, or Walsall are going to win silverware and their first yeah, ever. ever.
4: I want Walsall. First it's their, it's ever first trip at Wembley, isn't it? Yes. Ever in our history. Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing well in the league as well. Ideas.
1: Only two points outside the playoffs. Although, as we just said, uh, it yeah, is very, very tight. Yeah, and I like Dean
4: Smith. Let's, have, let's have some silverware for <laughs> okay.
1: um, Preston are in the playoffs. Uh, they beat Chesterfield 2-0 on Tuesday. They've got the David Moyes derby on Monday. Manchester United uh, in the FA Cup oh, visiting... at that the Basque derby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, visiting <laughs> Deepdale. Um, and also Bradford, uh, the other side, uh, just below the playoffs. We've got a big game coming up at the weekend when they entertain uh, Sunderland. Uh, on Sunday that is Um, Fleetwood are also just outside and Doncaster who won 5-0 at Crawley on Tuesday Crawley are having an absolute bloody nightmare under um, what's he called Dean Saunders just one win from the last 16 league games Ouch. Mm. Uh, and they are five points from safety. Just above them are Yeovil, who have changed manager. They've got rid of Gary Johnson. And a year ago, I'm, I'm just looking at the bottom, two of the bottom three there, Yeovil and Leighton Orient who are bottom. Leighton Orient last season were well, a couple of kicks, a couple of penalty kicks away from the championship. Yeov, Yeovil, Yeovil, it's not funny, it's true. Yeovil were in the championship. And um, look at them now. Both sides could be in League Two next mm. season.
4: They've got Skiverton though Terry Skiverton's in charge now isn't he mm. at least for, for, the, for the time being Yeovil very much resembling the US presidential uh, history with, with your Bush and Bushes and your and your Clinton <laughs> uh, merry-go-round the same with the Johnson and Skiverton
1: um, But Orion I mean they are just heading, uh, heading for relegation aren't they they're what six points off safety now that's been a complete um, example of how not to manoeuvre a changeover of ownership at a football club
4: Yeah really poor Really poor, and, and it's a shame because we've been to a couple of Orient matches, haven't we, over the last couple of mm. years? And obviously we spoke to the spoke to the, you know, spoke to them a lot, looked at them a lot during the uh, the documentary, the, the Crystal War documentary that we did. And it was all, I mean, they were up, weren't they? They were up at half time in that player final, and that at, one to go them now so far apart. So it, yeah. it shows you, it shows you that. You know, for the clubs at the top of the leagues at the moment you've got to take your chance because as we've seen all too often the next season, no matter how much you think you're going to bounce back, you could easily be right down there
1: Ok, into League 2, uh, the top 5 looking pretty nailed on you've got to say but in what order? Shrewsbury are top they scored twice in injury time to win at Carlisle in midweek, Burton level with them, just behind on goal difference Wickham lost at home to Plymouth, they're down in third uh, the playoffs look like this, South end in fourth, uh, Luton are in fifth, and then there's a bit of a gap to Newport, who we talked about a lot on the show, and then Plymouth in seventh, and Berry are in eighth with Exeter just behind them. Yeah, it's not going too well, well at the minute.
4: What were you thinking about, Berry?
1: Well, I went yeah, to the uh, out a bit. Yeah,
4: Got a, bit, uh, a, bit, what well, a lot,
1: lot of draws at the minute, mate. I went to the game at, uh, against Exeter at home on Saturday, and the fast uh, this is fast becoming the story of our season. Lots of pretty football, but we can't put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. And uh, I was considering going to Stevenage on Tuesday. Apparently it was the worst nil-nil ever, so thank God I didn't oh, go. Nil-nil in... with Stevenage. I know,
4: thank God I didn't go. Nil-nil with Wesley.
1: What a waste of money that would have been. Uh, but yeah, guess who we've got on Saturday? No uh, oh
4: idea.
1: Just think of a League Two team who haven't worn in forever. Hartlepool. Cheltenham. Cheltenham Town. Cheltenham. One point oh, above yeah. the relegation oh. zone. Lost at South End on Tuesday. Paul Buckle on the brink of being sacked um, the chairman, Paul Baker, told BBC Gloucestershire on the day of recording that he's not been sacked, despite reports. He's won just one of 13 games, and they are third bottom of the Football League. Put your mortgage on them, on them beating us on Saturday, because that's just the way it works. Um, I if think
4: I had Paul, one, mate, I would. I think Paul Buckle
1: should get back on that flight to New York. What do you reckon?
4: Yes, spend, spend a bit absolutely, more time, yeah. A bit more time with like. horse racing festival, Paul. <laughs> really? You can just hang on for about three weeks. <laughs> then you get
1: that in then you can go um, you, you said how to pull that one for ages they won on Tuesday you must have passed you by they beat Northampton 1-0 um, I'm sorry yeah, I just
4: I was just thinking of a club down the bottom yeah they are six yeah, points yeah, off safety
1: and uh, they've got a glimmer of hope at best uh, York are also down in the bottom two, despite uh, getting a creditable 2 old draw at Luton in midweek although having said that they were 2-0 up so not that creditable in the end probably should have won um, and I suppose uh, DC just uh, as we sort of round up the bottom of League 2 there we should probably have a quick word on the implications of this team TV deal for the football league five point one three six billion quid for Premier League rights Sky and BT Sport twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen. Uh, apart from every club in the Championship thinking Jesus, we need a slice of that. Um, what does this mean for the football league?
4: Well, I'll be interested to see whether more money does trickle down in terms of the solidarity, so-called in inverted commas solidarity payments um, that they that they give the football league. But of course, the, the wider implications are that teams coming down from the Premier League into the Championship will have more money Uh, and it doesn't necessarily guarantee you to be able to bounce straight back because we've seen time and time again teams with money parachute payments high wages that can be a problem within itself coming into the Championship but when you're going to get £99 million for finishing bottom of the Premier League (laughs) you know plus parachute payments, that that, that does create, it, is, it does create, it's got to over time create a difference. I'm sure we will start to see a difference. Because we haven't really started to see the effects of this current TV deal yet. It's only been in, in effect for a couple of seasons, hasn't it, When from the last one, where you get sort of 60-odd minute for finishing bottom. And I think over time you will perhaps start to see a little bit of a difference between those teams that have tasted the rainbow, so to speak, and those who have never managed to get up there. But it's whether or not, You know, some of that money does manage to trickle down. It'll be be interesting to see. It's always, it's always hard to say, really. You can't ever really see an end to it, can you?
1: Do you reckon that uh, Channel Five have paid five point one three six billion for the Football League show?
4: I doubt it. I highly doubt it, indeed. Yeah. So do I. Um, Right, just a
1: couple more bits. Um, The football historian Mark Metcalf, you might remember from our Great War documentary just before Christmas, asked me to pass this on. Uh, The grave of Kenny Davenport, scorer of the first ever Football League goal back on the eighth of September eighteen eighty eight, has finally been located. It's in Bolton uh, Heaton Cemetery Mark is trying to get some kind of commemoration going to Mark um, yep. the fact that the grave's been found uh, there's going to be a reflaying ceremony in September this year exactly 127 years after we scored that famous first goal for Bolton against Derby if you'd like more information on this please go to Mark's blog which is writemark.blogspot.co.uk. that's right as in w-r-i-t-e Mark.blogspot.co.uk. Uh, good luck to the Football League representatives in the FA Cup this weekend so that's Blackburn Derby, Reading, Bradford, Middlesbrough and Preston and DC last week I was at this uh, monthly football quiz in, in Manchester at Joshua Brooks which is a brilliant football oh, yeah. quiz you absolutely love it. I'm going to give you one question from it. Okay. It's quite an easy one just to okay. end. There's not that many Football League ones in the quiz uh, but this right. is this is kind of one that's related to it. So I want the two English cities that used to have two Football League clubs but now only have one. One, well, fo- Bristol. one Football League club. Um, Bristol City. Bristol. Bristol's correct. Who's the other one? Yeah.
4: Uh, used to have two but only now only has now one. Have- one so who's got relegated from the they used to have two only have one uh, so they could, they could have gone up or down couldn't they, so they could have gone out of the, uh
1: yeah i wouldn't think that, I'd that. Think so i think the other me. way i think the other way i think the other way okay. i a bit of music on underneath this while we wait yeah let me have a think uh
4: god let's see the cities uh a lot of cities in the UK, isn't
1: there? Um, I'm just going to check my Facebook, mate.
4: Have a look, you mate, yeah. on
1: over that. Uh,
4: might, might stick my washing on as well. I'm trying to think of, like, great derbies that we've had down there. Uh, is it really... I mean, am I going to kick myself? No, no,
1: here? you're not at all. Uh, do you want me to
4: tell you? Is it, is it really difficult? It's, it's
1: quite difficult, yeah. Give me your little clue, then, and I'll, or I'll call it a day. Uh, i got a little clue. Um, they have this... One of the clubs from this city have been in the Premier League, but they're not anymore. Oh,
4: right.
1: OK. So, one one of the clubs isn't in the Football League, and one of them yeah. used to be in the Premier League, but is in the Football League. Yeah. They've had their fair share of headlines over the last few years. People screaming at their... Uh, MP3 devices were the answer
4: Headline Oh god mate I'm not going
1: to get it it's Bradford mate it's Bradford Bradford Park Avenue bloody Bradford
4: <laughs> yes I, thought I was thinking of Bradford I thought Brad yeah of course Bradford Park Avenue
1: there you go we finished sixth by the way some disappointing uh, answers I'll explain more when I see you next anyway alright uh, right. maybe we'll do some more questions from that maybe on the next show um, just a reminder you can sign up for a free month for the football pools right now We at wearegoingup.co.uk I mentioned this at the top of the show it'd be great if you can sign up just get 8 out of 10 results um, right this weekend win lose a draw and you can win stacks of cash also if you click on the paddy power offer on the slider and sign up for a brand new account there uh, if you bet a fiver you will get a free 20 quid bet and the audible offer is still going on as well audible.co.uk slash going up in terms of social media this is where you can find us the twitter is at waggy podcast the facebook page is waggy podcast so is the instagram and the website is WeAreGoingUp.co.uk. so who's your big game against who's the double header against
4: uh, God, you know what? I don't know I don't know their, what their team is. Uh, it can't be that yeah. much of a big double-header, can it? Might be AFC Putney B.
1: it's oh, huge. Maybe. Huge game. Can we have a full match report on the show next week, please? We can, yeah. OK, mate, right. You get back to watching the Great British Bake Off. All right, bye. Bye. All right, that's it. We'll speak to you next time on We Are Going Up. Thanks for listening this week. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the football